Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, here with another Whiskey Short. And as always, joining me is Scott. Hey everybody. Today, our very good friend and one of our five-time Jacket Award-winning hosts, you know him as the knight who says neat, Jeff. Woo! Five times I am here. <laughs> All right. So now it's six. Well, this now is a short. This is a short. This short doesn't gonna... count. doesn't go anywhere except in your... your <laughs> Your career <laughs> stats. So this does bring up your appearances to 12. Yes, that is correct. Mm, I wonder if someone is out there counting my appearances. You're right. Just fans are like gathering around in houses across America like, honey, bring the cats in the living room. They love this. <laughs> no, no. They've, they've got all their lawyers on speed dial. Ooh, that's true. Jeff can be inappropriate. Speaking of these jackets, yeah. I, mean, I feel like we're at the... Um, the roast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a Hollywood <laughs> right. roast. Right. The, like, Friars Club. The, the Friars Club. The Friars oh, Club. Friars Club. Club. Yeah. I got you. Who's next on to the podcast? Like Maury Amsterdam <laughs> telling about how he, he fucked Lucy. Wow. And we do have the whole, you know, <laughs> sanctions from ah. the Department of Tourism of Iceland. Oh, right. <laughs> we, we've been banned right, in Iceland. We, can, we are not allowed to go to Iceland right yeah. now. We are trying to get that lifted. Thanks, Jeff. And Bjork. Yeah, Bjork. I touched her party once. Wow. Did she have that fucking Yeah, she was wearing her, her swan. swan I really touched her. I patted her swan's head, so I didn't really touch her directly. <laughs> Because that would be inappropriate. I don't do that. But I did pat her little swan's head on the top. Oh, my God. She didn't care for that. <clears throat> and she yelled at me for a minute or two, but really only at a level where only the dogs in the neighborhood could hear it. <laughs> you know, they all started to howl. So I knew she was yelling at me at right. that point because she has an amazing range. Right, her, she was standing in front of you. You yeah, could hear her. Her mouth her. was moving. Right. It was like a dolphin almost. <laughs> <laughs> what I could hear was a dolphin. It was like a Yoko Ono solo. <laughs> <laughs> Shade Yoko. Shade Yoko. All right. Well, this is the longest intro to a short episode. <laughs> right. So we have been gathered here today to um, Aaron from Robro Marketing reached out to us again. He's the one who sent us the Stellum that we had previously. Mm, delicious, Aaron. And we, we, like, we like Aaron a lot. We like Aaron a lot. Yeah. And he sent us a couple of bottles of Elvis whiskey. <laughs> whiskey short. So we have two bottles of Elvis whiskey. We got the Tennessee whiskey and the rye. And I have a real quick story, quick story about <laughs> how this all came about. And then we'll get into the tasting. You ready? It on me, baby. <laughs> Elvis is here. I'm going to win this race. <laughs> thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> a lot of bad Elvis impressions. Yeah. So get ready for that. <laughs> bad Elvis impressions times three. Yeah. So, uh, Grain and Barrel Spirits, based in Charleston, South Carolina, is an innovation-driven global beverage platform that develops authentic craft spirits and brands that connect the best artisans with markets and consumers around the world. Elvis Presley, of course, was one of the most influential pop culture figures of all time. Referred to as the king of rock and roll, his commanding voice and charismatic stage presence unleashed a musical and cultural revolution that changed the world. But it wasn't until September of 2021 that these two different worlds would meet when Grain and Barrel Spirits and Elvis Presley Enterprise announced a long-term licensing agreement to launch a duo of Elvis Presley-themed whiskeys. Elvis Presley Enterprises was created by the Elvis Presley Trust, not only to run Elvis's famous home Graceland, but also the worldwide licensing of Elvis-related products, like these whiskeys, and the development of Elvis-related musical, film, and stage productions. The new Elvis whiskey brand joins the award-winning lineup managed by Grain and Barrel Spirits, including Dixie Vodka, Virgil Cane Low Country Whiskey, High Gold Luxury Gin, and the pre-prohibition brand Chicken Cock, Whiskey. Chicken cock, chicken cock, chicken, chicken cock. cock. <laughs> chicken cock. 
Says founder Maddie Antilla, given our expertise within premium whiskey, the Elvis expressions are a natural fit for us. Elvis was one of the most significant cultural icons of the 20th century and continues to inspire his fans today. We look forward to launching the brand, which is sure to be a highly sought after collector's item. So what's interesting is I noticed that you said the company's based in South Carolina, but nothing on the bottle mentions South Carolina. Right. The Tennessee whiskey, nicknamed Tiger Man, we'll get to that later, Yeah, is distilled and bottled in Columbia, Tennessee. That's interesting because it's yeah. distilled there and bottled there by the Elvis Presley Spirits Company. It's aged two and a half years and it's uh, 90 proof. Now, their rye expression, Scott, says, not surprising to me, <laughs> distilled in Indiana. <laughs> Correct. But again, bottled in Columbia, Tennessee by the Elvis Presley Spirits Company, and it's aged for at least three years. Right. So they have a very, very short description on their sales sheet that they sent us about the uh, first one we're going to drink, the Tennessee whiskey. Its nickname is Tiger Man, not to be confused with Princess Ardala's bodyguard <laughs> from Buck Rogers in the 25th century. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, some say it was his dad who first called him Tiger Man. Some say it was a fan. Either way, the name was a perfect fit. Elvis performed the song Tiger Man in concert in Las Vegas in 1969 and continued playing it through the years, usually in a medley with Mystery Train, singing it over 150 times on stage. And it went a little something like this. Because <laughs> I'm the king of the jungle and they call me Tiger Man. Crickets. I don't know. I don't know that we have. We might have to use both crickets at the same time in an overdub. Our fast and slow crickets together for that. But I thank you uh, for your enthusiasm, Jeff, and for your unbridled, passionate fandom of the uh, Tiger Man himself, Elvis Presley. Right. You are a fan of Elvis, I right? I am a big fan of Elvis. Oh, so this is really cool that you're here to do this. Um, the only thing, Ed, that you didn't mention was the mash bill. Probably not on the bottle. The mash bill for the Tennessee whiskey is 80% corn, 10% rye, and 10% malted barley. The MSRP is $50. Let's give it a taste. Yeah. All right. So first of all, we have these in our spectacular neat glasses with our caps on. And it really, really changes how whiskey mm -hmm. tastes for us. These are great glasses. I really enjoy these. I remember, actually, you were here for episode eight when we did the Jefferson bourbon, and we had this glass, and you happened to be drinking out of that glass because you remarked that it looked like a spittoon. What are you guys getting on the nose? Um, uh, and like sweet fruits. I do smell banana. I'm not trying to be okay. funny, but I do smell banana. No, I mean, a characteristic of Tennessee whiskey is a banana note to it. I almost have like a traditional apple. Okay crispy red like the skin like you just bit into it I yeah got that. I got that. yeah you guys are qualifying um what i was smelling i just said sweet fruit but definitely i can smell what you guys were just saying i definitely get a hint of the banana too no. mm -hmm, i do i mean corn it's 80 percent corn scott i can tell it's, it's going to be good just by the smell like a little bit of cinnamon note on the nose okay but let's taste it hmm. that's a winner oh I mean, you like it's it pretty smooth for being relatively young Two and a half years old. Very approachable. Mm -hmm. That's what I would call it. <clears throat> I'm not sure I like the finish at all. The, the initial palette is very nice, and then it fades it. It's just very dry and oaky on the finish. Do you guys get any yeah, of that? I, I get the dry finish. I don't know if it's as off-putting to me as it is to you. Right. But it's funny. I, I don't focus on the finish until I figure out what it tastes like in okay. the beginning. Like, yeah. like so I, you kind of caught me off guard when you said Sorry. it because you went right to the finish. <clears throat> I'm like, hmm. That's, I, I always thought that was a third tasting part. Like, <laughs> we is. smell, we palate, we finish. But the finish was so strong to me that I, I felt I had to mention it at the time. Because I'm like, I guess we're going to have to go over pre-production again. <laughs> Hint of an apple, but 
Mm-hmm. Nothing really that jumps out at me. There's a nice sweetness to it, like a banana, but without the really strong banana flavor that we were smelling. This is crazy, but it's giving me the overall impression of a little bit higher proof Irish whiskey. Yeah. You get what I'm saying on that? Yep. In the mouthfeel, it's not oily. It's, it's not. It, it's a very light, crisp whiskey, I would call it. Yeah, it's light body. That's not a disc to it at all. It's an interesting thing. I really like it, but it doesn't have a definitive flavor to it. I get the apple a little bit, but yeah. maybe because I'm searching for something. Right. Traditional notes, right? Corn, like we said. Yeah. There's, there's corn. I can't even get crazy. Like it's a burnt vanilla. It's not no. really. It's just, a, it's just a caramel, maybe. Maybe mm. like you ate a caramel and then you drank it. Like it had that little aftertaste of caramel in your mouth. I mean, there's a tiny bit of spice to it. The wood spice. I'm not even putting any ice in it or anything because it's just 90, but... Yeah, um, I'm going to drop some water in it just to see. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Oh, the banana comes out when you drop some water into it. Wow, you're so correct on that. Mm-hmm. I do taste some more stuff now. Yeah, it's a little nicer with a, a little bit of more water in black it. Black currants. It. I just got black currants. Wow. <laughs> That's a hell of a water you put in there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you put black currant water in there? <laughs> no, but proofing this down, so like having this at 90, you almost want it to be like 86. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, which uh, is kind of the opposite right. of what we all like to do. It's, it's from its old cousin, Jack Daniels. Yeah. Another yeah. tennis whiskey that used to live at 86 for Absolutely. a long time. They started messing with the proof a bit. But. It's very true. True. Right. I think I'm ready to gun this and then uh, take a look at the next one. Well, let's see. We'll do the tasting notes and see how sure. we did. Uh, these are theirs. The aroma, toasted oak notes, mm-hmm. sweet corn, poured yeah. with a slight yeah. hint of citrus and apple. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. we were all over it. Everything but the citrus. Uh, flavor, uh, sweet toasted maple. Interesting. Yeah. Roasted creme brulee with subtle notes of granny apple and caramel. Well, we tasted vanilla. I said it couldn't be creme brulee, but they wanted to say that they can. Um, we apple. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really funny how our palates have actually got better over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. The finish says a very balanced, long, soft, sweet, and genuine great finish, it says, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't like the finish on this. So that's just my personal preference. It seems like you guys are disagreeing with me on that note. No, it's distinct, and you caught it right away, and it is drying, and, and it ends quickly. Yeah. If I drank this all night, it would start to get on my nerves. I don't know. It's not terrible. Like, it's, oh, no, 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 no. It's, no. it's great, a fine whiskey. A great beginner's whiskey. Oh, I yes. I think the one thing that's uh, interesting to me is that something that we all tasted, which was the banana, is not even anywhere in their taste. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. I have a theory that because it's such a symbolic tasting note of Jack Daniels that other Tennessee whiskeys stay as far away from owning it as they can. Yeah, maybe. So that would maybe. be my thing that they just re- prefer not to highlight that. And I also will say one more thing on this is after having added the water to it, it did improve the finish for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. right. So let's move over to the rye now. So the rye is uh, nicknamed the king. Beginning in 1950. His music, his style, and his scandalous dance moves took the country by storm and continued to reign for decades, <laughs> influencing many other artists, including the Beatles, says John Lennon. Nothing affected me until I heard Elvis. Without Elvis, there would be no Beatles. It's funny because Elvis told someone that he thought the Beatles were un-American. Oh, well, they well, were. They were they're from, from England. <laughs> and I mean, if anything, I mean, Elvis had every right to feel a little butt hurt by the Beatles. I mean, because he was king uh-huh. of the, the hill. Yep. And then he went in the army. And by the time it came out, the Beatles came and just took over the pop world. Like, Yeah, they really did. You know, the Elvis in Vegas was a tremendous performer. Had he come out as that with not having his past, he still would have been amazing. Interesting. And people loved him. But he, to me, he's like completely two different artists. He's like Elton yeah. John in, when he was in Vegas almost, yeah. you know what I mean? And then meanwhile, he's a real cutting edge blues rhythm guy when yes. he comes out in the 50s. He did have two careers. Yeah, seriously, two different careers and two different artists. And that alone is amazing to do. Yeah, Jeff, which one do you like better of his stuff? I like his like 60s, but there's something so charming about the 70s stuff. <laughs> like Mutton Chops Elvis is really 
the jumpsuit. Yeah, the jumpsuit. He's like a superhero from the 70s. Oh, awesome. The um, the rye that we had that we're about to taste is, as Ed said, the Indiana MGP 95.5 rye that we have had many expressions about. So it's like eight different versions. I know. So this will be yet another one, and we'll see how different this one, because they all seem to taste different. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. All right. Let's swirl the glasses. Again, swirling our neat glasses with the lids on. Ooh, rye right away. Right away. Right. So this is three years old. Get a little bit of dill, a little bit of mint. A hint of it pine yeah, i'm getting maybe this is a really floral rye it doesn't smell yeah, sweet at all i agree it's rye it's kind of spicy on the nose and there's a definitely like an herbaceous or floral notes to it yeah i'm really excited to taste yeah it. Let's taste i don't it. smell any distinctive things beyond what we said mm, that's a sweet finish yeah, there i go again <laughs> going right down to, to the, the finish, finish. <laughs> <laughs> don't go right for the click give yeah. the girl a kiss <laughs> 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 it was a lot more complex than i expected yeah the taste came at me like in three or four different waves yeah this is more complex than the tennessee whiskey it's got more going on i'm getting like maybe a little mint right mm. in the beginning yep going into like a slight thing of tobacco or leather mm. like something anti-mint mm-hmm. and then like minty leather i'm gonna add a little water quicker than i did last time mm. i want to see what that does because what i feel like right now is all the flares are stacked together and i think water might separate them it tastes like everything i had on the smell a little bit of mint um some herbaceousness leather i totally taste i get orange zest on the finish now with a little bit of water in there? I'm getting uh, butter on the back of my tongue. Butter? Oh, like wow. Like if, if you press your tongue mm-hmm. onto the roof of your mouth, it's mm. like I'm getting a strong butter taste. Interesting. I'm getting candied kumquats is what I'm getting for a finish. <laughs> Stop I'm it. joking, but no, my friend made them for a- uh, I know, you Chicardery. told Chicardery. Chicardery, wasn't he the, the president before Reagan? That's, that's Jimmy Carter. Oh, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Isn't that like a watch maker or a jewelry maker? It's Cartier. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what am I trying to say? You're trying to say charcuterie. Yes, I am. Ah, and they made... <laughs> the meats <laughs> and the cheese. Right, Jeff finally figured out the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's what he's trying to say with that Ed speak that he does. Um, yeah, so she made these candied kumquats that kind of have almost like candied orange. It's a really interesting thing, but that's what I'm getting, a very sweet orange zest on the finish, but yet not quite a Grand Marnier or something like that, not like an orange drink either. Mm-hmm. Definitely a citrus thing on the end. Orange is the direction that it's going. Yeah, so really yeah. complex. Mm. I have to tell you, it's one of those whiskeys that comes across cross a lot more powerful than 90 i yeah. it hits me like almost like a 95 or 96 yeah yeah it, it's not like crazy overwhelming but it does taste it more tastes, than 90 it tastes way more potent than the tennessee whiskey and they're identically proof yeah so on the aroma the aroma is a sweet rye grassiness hits the nose up front followed by hints of citrus and spice um the flavored toasted oak butterscotch vanilla wafers and a soft hint of pepper honestly i didn't taste any of that on the finish, beautiful, sweet, complex finish with a creamy mouthfeel. Jeff had the butter. Yes. So why you pay me what, what you pay me? Yes. So, I mean, we said, Which is zero. We said herbaceous and floral, <laughs> and they say grass. I mean, I, I don't know why you would call this grass. It doesn't. Some people like it. I, Some I, people I, like, like grassy. No. I just great. <laughs> this is not a scotch. Okay. How uh, many bourbons have we done, and how many tasting notes have we read on bourbons? Well, I would say hundreds. Yeah. Well, this is a rye. All right. Well, even rye, right? Yeah. On this program, we've done many ryes. Yeah. How many times have you seen the word not many, grass? Not many. I mean, anti mint is what I'm still pondering about. Anti mint. Well, if you rewind like yeah. two, three minutes, he, he called it an anti mint flavor. Yeah. yeah. What the hell's that? Ed? He had an anti mint once. Wait, what? Married his uncle chocolate. 
they had a child. Uh, it was a daughter. It was Peppermint Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Thank you. <laughs> Auntie Mitt and Uncle Chocolate had Peppermint Patty. Okay, folks. That's why you pay us the big bucks. Oh, man. Zero. <laughs> So uh, this has gone on way too long, but I also have a top 10 of amazing Elvis facts. Well, he deserves it. He's, he's, he's the king. He is the king. After all, these are from uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Interesting. Believe It or Not. Number 10. Elvis's first song cost him $4. Explain. In 1953, Elvis paid $4 to record a song as a birthday gift for his mother. Oh. Unfortunately, Elvis's mother never heard the song because the Presley family didn't even own a record player and he never released it publicly. Because <laughs> Elvis' mother had no ears. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very tragic story. She was born without ears. It's terrible. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated by that first one. Like, I'm kind of angry. Like, I know. A, that we don't know what it sounded like. And B, how did she never go back and like have it in a drawer? Would she throw it out? Like, my mom had stuff I put macaroni on. Like, Paper plates? Yeah. yeah. She had that shit when I was like 20. Yeah. A year later, Elvis recorded a version of That's All Right Mama, after which a local radio DJ played it 14 times in the same day, but had trouble convincing his audience that Elvis was white and the rest is history. Mm. Number nine, Elvis was a natural blonde. Wow. Elvis's classic look as a tall, dark, and handsome Southern boy isn't exactly all natural because Elvis was actually blonde until his late teens. Even after his hair began to darken with age, it never truly got to the ultra black shade he's known for. So before he could afford the expensive luxury of real hair dye, Elvis opted for a cheap DIY alternative shoe polish. Mm. Later in his life, he was able to upgrade to the real stuff. Reportedly, a signature mix of Miss Clairol's black velvet <laughs> and Paramount's mink brown. Wow. I know. That's really a cool fact. Elvis used Miss Clairol. Number eight. Without Elvis, there'd be no Barry White. What? Yeah. Barry White, the Grammy-winning singer-songwriter-producer with the ultra-deep baritone, may never have become one of the best-selling musical artists of all time if it wasn't for Elvis's 1960 hit, It's Now or Never, serving a four-month prison sentence for stealing $30,000 worth of Cadillac tires. A 16-year-old Barry White heard the tune and was so inspired that he vowed to pursue a career in music upon his release, an experience he later credited with changing the course of his life. I want to point out that in 1960, how many tires you'd have to steal <laughs> for $30,000? Even today when tires are ridiculous, $30,000 in tires, a lot of tires to be hang, hanging out somewhere. Yeah. So I don't know where he had his there. I guarantee he got caught because he couldn't hide $30,000 in tires in wherever the F he was living. My darling, uh, can't you take some of these tires off my hands? <laughs> Is that a Barry White song? Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> Number seven. One of Elvis's jumpsuits weighed more than a German shepherd. <laughs> so random. <laughs> when Elvis first started wearing his iconic jumpsuits, which we talked about earlier, in the early 1970s, they are said to have weighed around 25 to 30 pounds each. However, in the later years, as they became more intricate with embroidery and jewels, some weighed over 75 pounds. Elvis's heaviest jumpsuit was his most expensive and most iconic called the American Eagle, which in all of its glitz and glamour would cost almost $300,000 to make today. Wow. I think it was like a medieval knight going into battle. <laughs> kind of, but a flashy one. Right. Yeah. E an easy target. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, Elvis had a twin brother. Elvis was born 35 minutes after his identical twin brother, Jesse Garen Presley, in their parents' two-room house in East Tupelo, Mississippi. Unfortunately, Jesse was stillborn and was buried in an unmarked grave the next day. Although Jesse's time was short, Elvis spoke of his twin throughout his life. 
Isn't that sad? I'm sad now. That's very sad. Thanks, God. I mean, how screwed are you if you're like, so, all right, God. So I'm go- I get to not live, and my yeah. brother gets to be Elvis Presley. Right. I get, <laughs> I get 10 minutes. What if Elvis, his twin, did live? Right. Like, what if they were both musically talented? Could you imagine two of them? It would be like the Everly Brothers. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. The Elvis oh, yeah. Brothers. Oh, the Elvis Brothers. Yeah. Like, or the Presley was, Brothers, I guess. He, would one would be like, I ain't nothing but a hound dog. Rocking <laughs> all the time. Right. Yeah. I would actually probably be pretty cool. They were identical twins. They would not be as big as Elvis was. Yeah, maybe. Actually, with somehow two Elvises would make them less popular. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to think about that. Number five. Elvis has been one of the highest paid dead celebrities yeah, for oh, decades. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Probably not a surprise. According to the famous Forbes magazine list, Elvis, despite being dead for over 40 years, still sells about a million albums each year, which, among other pursuits, earned him $30 million in 2021 alone. Good enough for that year for seventh place. However, since the list's inception in 2001, Elvis has been either number one or number two on the list a total of 15 times. Yeah. I mean, I talked about the fact that from 2000 to 2009, the top selling artists was Eminem. Right. Which made sense. Yeah. That was his big time. Second was the Beatles. Yep. After 30 years after they broke up. That's when you know you're famous. It's crazy. It really is. My favorite thing is when Kanye West did a song with Paul McCartney and somebody tweeted on Kanye thing. Like, I don't know who that Paul McCartney is, but Kanye just made him a star. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. Elvis inhaled a tooth filming a movie. (laughs) While sliding down a pole in the opening dance number of his third movie, Jailhouse Rock, Elvis lost the cap of his tooth and swallowed it, after which it became lodged in his lung. Elvis required surgery on set to remove it, and the procedure required the separation of his vocal cords to fit the appropriate retrieval tool inside. There were worries that he may never sing the same way again, but although he was a little hoarse for a few days afterwards, his recovery was fairly easy. Well, at least it was his own tooth. I was concerned how this was going to (laughs) go. Somebody else's tooth? Yeah. (laughs) And Margaret's. He was an aggressive aggressive kisser, from what I could see. (laughs) Oh, shit, I swallowed your tooth. That's fucking aggressive. Number three, Elvis didn't write a single one of his songs. Although Elvis sold over 200 million records worldwide and recorded more than 600 songs in his career, he didn't write any of them. In fact, he couldn't read music at all. Apparently, though, he is actually listed as being a co-writer in some of his records, but that's due to his label demanding that songwriters give up 50% of the credit before Elvis would consider recording oh, their sucks. songs. Wow. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. That's all the work of Colonel yeah. Colonel, Colonel Tom. Parker. Uh, Colonel Parker, yeah. Frank Sinatra didn't write his songs. Right. He had two guys that wrote for him. Mm-hmm. Whitney Houston didn't write any of her songs either. And and I understand that there was a time where singers were like an instrument, right? Like opera. Mm. Opera people don't have to write their own stuff. You bring them in because they're a unique talent. Yeah. And Elvis was a unique talent. Right. I feel like um, at some point, Colonel Parker was probably like, these up and coming writers wanted to write for Elvis. Sure, and sure. so they were like, well, give Elvis half credit. And then- you, Oh, I would have. You can, yeah, I would have too. Thought to have a 10 million song sold? Yeah, he can have half of that because yeah. I have nothing right now. Yeah, it's an easy deal for me. Uh, absolutely. Number two, Elvis never performed outside North America. In fact, aside from a small number of concerts in Canada in 1957, Elvis never performed on foreign soil at all. The exact reason has never been confirmed, but it is believed that his manager, Colonel Parker, turned down offers for Elvis to perform abroad because Parker himself was an illegal immigrant from the Netherlands and he feared he wouldn't be allowed back into the United States if he left. You know, it's funny. I heard an Elvis story is the guy who put together Ocean's 11, 12, and 13, that producer, Yeah, he talked about how he wanted to be Elvis's promoter for shows and stuff. Okay, He said for nine years, every morning, his first call was to Colonel Parker. <laughs> 
And so he'd get Park on the phone and he'd be like, hey, listen, you know, it's me. I want to be the promoter. And he'd be like, no, no, no. Nine years later, he got the gig. Wow. Nine years. Nine years of calling every day. Every day. The guy's like, fine, fine, fuck, fine. Okay. Stop calling calling us. Number one, Elvis was a seventh degree black belt in karate. (laughs) Having started his training in Europe in 1958 while in the army, Elvis studied martial arts until his death in 1977. He even showed off his skills in a 1971 encounter with Alice Cooper in a hotel in Las Vegas. At Elvis's request, Cooper showed up to the hotel room where he was greeted by Liza Minnelli, Chubby Checker, and Linda Lovelace. Oh, my God. (laughs) Elvis then brought Cooper into the kitchen, opened a drawer, handed him a loaded pistol, and asked Cooper to point it at his head. In an interview with Britain's Daily Mirror in 2012, Cooper said, a little voice in my left ear was telling me, go on, kill him. You'll always be the guy who killed Elvis. (laughs) But in my other ear, another voice was saying, you can't kill him. It's Elvis Presley. Wound him instead. You'll only get a few years. (laughs) A second later, Elvis executed a perfect flying kick, striking Cooper's hand, sending the gun through the air while simultaneously tripping and pinning him to the ground by his neck, whereupon Elvis announced calmly, that's how you stop a man with a gun. <laughs> we waited all night for that story. That's the best story of the night. I know. I, that's why I put it last. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> or, I mean, I guess that's it. What do you guys think about these whiskeys? Overall, pretty good. Yeah. For what they are. I mean, and you have to say it's a little bit of a novelty whiskey. Yeah, definitely. You know? And they know that. But we're going to finish these bottles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that yeah. much. We're not throwing them away. I don't think the Tennessee whiskey will make a good cocktail. I think the rye could make a good cocktail. Could. Good. Yeah. Which one do you prefer, the King or the Tiger Man? Uh, the King. Oh, I like the Rye. Yeah, the, the King. Rye. The yeah. Rye's better. Which one do you like? I go with the Tiger Man. Nice. Yeah, all right. Nice. Well, yeah. you, well, all right. So listen, if you guys see it in the store, and if you're an Elvis fan, the Tennessee whiskey, very approachable, very kind, very smooth for 90 proof. Yeah. I think Jeff said we should let kids start on it or something like that. Did he say? I think you said that, right? Give it to kids. Yeah, yeah give it to kids. Oh, oh, all right. He said beginners. He said beginners. So, oh, my God. That's right. It's a good beginner's whiskey. So don't give your whiskey to children. Don't yeah. do that. Well, no, I mean. Teenagers. I, right. Something. Right. As long as the teenagers are 21. Yeah. So um, um, maybe I misquoted Jeff. But the point is uh, the rise is a little more complex. Maybe. <laughs> the rise is a little bit more complex. Tape. So, you know, if maybe, you know what, this could be a his or her. The wife's just getting into whiskey with you, get her the Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, get the rye. And that's a great Friday night, date night, double header there. Yeah. All right. Nice. But so for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I'm Ed. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. Can't but a hound dog. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>